We will be reading from Luke chapter 10, beginning in verse 38. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. In a few moments, we're going to come to this table and uh, receive the Lord's Supper this morning. Together, it's our, it's our practice once a month to come to the Lord's table. These elements will come to you in the pews this morning if you're visiting with us You're welcome to partake with us. We have open communion. You need not be a member here of our fellowship to partake. We only ask that whoever eats and drinks this morning can live under the invitation that appears in the bulletin this morning and later will appear on the screen. If you have children here this morning who have not not gone off to Children's Church or are older and don't participate in that, it's certainly left to you as parents to decide if they can live under that invitation and know that meaning of all of that. This morning we're going to continue before we come to the Lord's table in the Gospels. We're walking chronologically through the life of Christ and we now have come to that third year of his ministry here on earth, third year of being fully God and fully man among us, the year of opposition, the year when the crowds were beginning to diminish and Jesus turned his attention more to the inner circle and to those that were closest to him, and began to really prepare them for the the days that were coming. And they were having trouble grasping them. And they would not fully grasp them until after the resurrection. There are many times in the scripture when it says that they remembered what he had said after the resurrection. In this context, we're going to see an interesting thing happen here in the life of Martha and Mary. As we close this morning, I'm going to I'm going to show you, I think, something that hopefully will be insightful for us in Mary's response to Jesus here, not just in the text we've read, but a little later in the book of John. It seems as though Mary uh, was, was understanding things that even the disciples didn't fully understand, and we'll look at that. But this morning, I want to be careful, I want you to be careful, not to be too hard on Martha. In this particular context, as we read the story of Martha and Mary, we have a tendency to want to be hard on Martha. If you understand and see the text there, you'll see that it was Martha who welcomed Jesus into her home in verse 38. And to know what was happening at that time, you remember Jesus was the one who said, I have no place to lay my head. Jesus had no home. He headquartered much of his time in Capernaum in Peter's house. But he traveled much, and one of the homes in which he enjoyed staying was Martha and Mary and Lazarus' home. He spent many times there in their home, and I'm sure felt the warmth of their home and the warmth of Martha and how she welcomed him into her home. On this particular occasion, in the context of this setting, you see the picture there. Martha welcomed him and I'm sure began to think about the things that would make Jesus most comfortable, getting the sleeping arrangements together, getting the food prepared, which was no simple thing. She didn't go to the deep freeze and pull out 
the leg of whatever and prepare it, but went to the market and got the things that were needed. That's the way you lived in those days. You went daily to the market and you got what was needed and you brought it home and you prepared it because there was no way to keep it. And so all of those preparations were going on. Martha was busy with hospitality, welcoming Jesus into her home. And in the context of that, Mary was at Jesus' feet. Mary, who typically would have helped Martha in this particular instance, was reclining at the feet of Jesus, which was no small matter because in this economy, in this particular um, historical setting, that was unheard of. It was unheard of for a woman to sit at the feet of a rabbi and to be taught. Certainly they could understand and they could, be, they, could, they could know the Torah, but to be taught by a rabbi, particularly at the feet of a rabbi, just didn't happen. Here again, Jesus breaks through those cultural um, taboos here and was teaching Mary and all that were around him at that time. Martha, in the meantime, was in and out. I think there probably were times when Martha caught a bit of what Jesus was teaching and other times she had to hurry off to do something and they would come back and hear it. And you can see what was happening, can't you? It was smoldering. And eventually... Martha had had enough. Enough of Mary reclining while she was doing all the work and the pressure of getting it all prepared. And she let loose a bit. She let loose at Mary, but she also let loose a bit at the Lord at that point. And, and gave them an earful, really. And admonished Jesus to tell Mary to come help her. And we got the reaction of Jesus there when he said, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. What I want us to get is what that means. What, what Jesus was saying. And if immediately you just go to kind of chastising Martha... Be careful about that. Martha had some things that she wasn't sensing very well. And Mary was sensing them better. At this point, a light meal probably would have been more appropriate than the elaborateness of which Martha was going about things. But she was doing it to serve the Lord. She was doing it to serve Him. She didn't read it very well. And that's the difference here. I think that's what you want to see in this text. The difference of perception between Martha and Mary. Not necessarily the difference in what they did as much. You see, it was Mary who must have sensed the mystery here. This was now a little over two years into Jesus' earthly ministry. And lots of things were being said. And as I said, the disciples weren't getting it all. They were, they were tucking away in their hearts. They were hearing it, but they really weren't hearing it. But something, for some reason, caused Mary to stop. Not to be a sandbagger, not to to do that so she didn't have to help Martha. But there was something in what Jesus was saying that caused her to stop and listen. The mystery was beginning to... start to take residence in her heart in some way, in some form. And so she was listening. And see, the issue here, 
The issue here is she was listening to the word. She was listening to what Jesus had to say. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. At this point, she was listening to the words of Jesus. She was hanging on the words of Jesus. Again, it wasn't just some kind of mystical, mysticism kind of sentimentality of Mary to, you know, to, to be quiet. She was listening. She was listening to what Jesus, she was hearing. She was putting the mystery together. God was opening her eyes to see the picture that Jesus was painting in this time. It's the issue of the ministry of the Word. Now let me make some application here and then I want to take you to the book of John and tell you the rest of the story for both Martha and Mary. But at this point I want to stop. I want to make this application. This is important, I think, for us as a church. There is something within us, I think, when we come to see Christ and to see His glory, what we've talked about in our existence statement. When you begin to see Christ magnified, you begin to see the glory of God in the face of Christ, you begin to savor that, and there's a sense in which you want to declare that. And so in that declaration, you begin to flesh out, for lack of a better word, service to our Lord. That's exactly what Martha was doing here. Martha was serving Him. Mary was serving Him. But particularly Martha. This is the danger of service. This is the danger of of the declaration part of what we talk there, the going out to flesh out how we live out this life of faith. Don't leave the Word behind. That's what it's saying here. Listen to the Word. Let the Word be foundational to that. Don't just go off to serve. But make sure that service is bolstered by the Word. And most particularly by the Gospel. We need the Gospel every day. You've heard that before, haven't you? If you go off, you've seen it, you begin to savor it, you go off, but you quit savoring it, and you try to start declaring it without savoring it, that will get awfully heavy. It will get heavy anyway, in some ways. I don't, I don't think as we go forward, declaring the name of Christ will always be easy. It's getting less easy, even in the West. But there will become a kind of burdensome um, drudgery about service if it is not always infused with savoring. You need to savor Christ. You need to do what Mary did and what Martha did. It's not either or. There are people who like this story because they can just recline. They can just take it easy. Paul said, I have worked harder than any of them, any of the other apostles. Now, he clarified that and said, yet not I, but Christ that works in me. But Paul would not about been about laying around all day, listening to preachers on the Internet or whatever. That's not, that's not the picture you want to get here. We ought to be diligent. We ought to be about declaring. We ought to be about serving our Lord in, in the sense of declaring Christ but always do it 
undergirded by savoring Christ. And if you start declaring without savoring, it will not ring true to the people you're declaring to. We must always have them both together. Both together. Now let me take you to the end of the story where I think they were both together. Let me first of all take you to Martha. If you turn to the book of John, chapter 11. If you have your Bibles, turn there. Another time when Jesus was with Mary and Martha and Lazarus. And here we find it in... uh, we, we find Martha in, in verse 38. A different setting here now because Lazarus had passed away. Martha was still Martha in many senses here. I mean, she was still Martha um, because she kind of let Jesus have it here in a sense in this text. She let Jesus know what she was thinking um, in in the sense that um, Jesus came and Lazarus had passed away and uh, she didn't like it very much. She said, in fact, why didn't you come sooner? Isn't that Martha? Remember Martha with Jesus and Mary? Lord, make Mary help me. Martha in one sense was Martha here. But there's something deeply moving about what happens here. In the text, in verse, excuse me, in verse 11, or verse 17 of chapter 11, at the death of Lazarus, here's what you find happening. Lazarus has passed away. She rebukes Jesus in one sense of saying, why didn't you come sooner? But then she makes one of two confessions that we find in Scripture. Um, Look at what she says in verse 25 to the response. This is the question. Jesus said to her, I'm the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. And then Jesus says to her, do you believe this in the context of Lazarus' death? And this is what she says. Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. Here you get a confession much like Peter's confession. Much like the confession where Jesus says, upon this confession I will build my church. This confession here that she makes can only flow out of one who has reclined at the feet of Jesus. You see what happened when Jesus rebuked her a while earlier. We don't get the rest of that story. But but Martha heard it. She listened to the word. She listened like Mary listened. And the evidence of her listening was this. This confession flows out of that. Now, turn with me to chapter 12 and let's look at Mary. And then we're going to come to the table. Here we find Mary again in the story in verses 1 and 2 of chapter 12. Again, Jesus is in their home. Jesus is with them. And this time, it's six days before the Passover. And it says in verse 2 of this text, Mary served and Lazarus was the one of those reclining with him at the table. In this setting, evidently, 
Martha again was serving, but she'd learned a lesson. She'd learned a lesson that you, you serve, you declare out of savoring. And here probably Mary was serving with her. There's no indication that she was missed as she was earlier, that Mary wasn't helping. Mary probably was serving with her. But then something happened. Then something happened. Look, it says, Mary, therefore, in verse 2, the end of it, took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of the disciples, he was about to betray him, said, Why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief and having charge of the money bank, he used used to help himself to what was put into it. And Jesus said this, Leave her alone so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. The poor you will always have with you, but you do not always have me. Now, I don't know for certain, but it appears to me that Mary was understanding something here that even the disciples weren't getting. Mary was seeing something of the mystery. And something moved Mary to go and to get the ointment and to begin to prepare the body of Jesus for his ultimate death. Something in what Jesus was saying that even the disciples themselves were bewildered about when it actually happened. She, even now, was pointing to it. Mary was seeing something. She was seeing the mystery. Why? Because she reclined at the feet of Christ. To get out of work? No, I don't think so. I think Mary was serving here, but just stopped to do this. It wasn't that she didn't have a heart of service, but that service was flowing out of an understanding. She was seeing. She was seeing things, I think, that even the disciples at that point were missing. And again, it flows out of the Word. It flows out of the revelation. We need this book What are you doing with this book in your life? What are you doing with these words as you try to live out this Christian life? Is it central? If you don't have it central, you'll miss stuff. You'll miss stuff. It's got to be central. It points to what we're pointing to today. It points to Christ. It points to the unraveling of that mystery. And I pray that we will always be a people who have the authenticity of serving undergirded by the Word. That we will be, in a sense, like Mary. We will see it. We will see it as we ought to see it. We're going to come to the Lord's table. I'd like for those to help us. We're going to serve to take your places. And as we come, I pray God is helping you to see the mystery. To see it as Mary saw it. To see 
more fully what this table means for us this morning. Let's pray together. Father, we just pray this morning that you will help us. Help us to have hearts like Mary and and Martha as well. Hearts that spend time reclining at your feet. Take time to stop and to listen to your words. Lord, we pray. We pray as we listen that more of the significance of this table would rise up in our soul. More of the significance of all that, Father, you did in sending your Son. And that whatever we do as a church body, whatever we're about as a church body, is undergirded by that truth. Lord, help us. I pray that you will help us. The world is hungry for that kind of authenticity. The world is hungry for us to be like Mary who sees, who saw and came and anointed your son's body for his death. Lord, help us now. Strengthen us, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. represents to us the body of our Lord, the body that that Mary anointed in preparation for the brokenness of this body. I invite you this morning to take and hold the element we'll partake together. in the way you came as a lowly babe that your glory was displayed and it was in the sacrifice of the purest life it was in your father's will obeyed The perfect Lamb that was slain, there's the glory of your name. No other one, no other way for me to see. You took my place, you are the way, and there's the glory of your name. Yes, there's the glory of your name. Don't you wonder a bit? Maybe need to use our imagination, sanctified imagination a bit with Mary. She'd been around Jesus. He'd been in her home. She'd reclined at his feet. What it must have been like as that mystery began to come together for her. 
as her eyes began to get opened. You think about what moved her. They say that that ointment probably today would have brought as much as $35,000 that she broke open to anoint him. That was no small thing. There had to be some kind of certainty in one sense. Wouldn't you think? To break that ointment open at that point. My prayer is that for all of us, that that mystery coming to to focus. I, my prayer is that that you are seeing more and more of the glory of God in the face of Christ. That you're understanding what that means to see the glory of Christ. And if there's a drudgery about this life of faith for you now, maybe, maybe it means you just need to recline a bit more and look at His Word and ask Him to open your eyes. Take and eat. Be grateful for the mystery revealed. and hold it. We'll partake together. It was in your victory risen for the world to see that all who would believe could enter in. And it is in the passionate Christ now demanding all my life and beating in the chambers of my heart. The perfect Lamb that was slain, and there's the glory of Your name. No other one, no other way for me to see. You took my place, You are the way, and there's the glory of Your name. Yes, there's the glory of your name. And there is nothing in this world that could take the place of you, that could take the place of you, my Jesus. And there is nothing in this life that could take the place of one life, one love, one power to save us all, one hope, one truth, one glory in it all, one glory in it all. The perfect Lamb that was slain, and there's the glory of your name. 
No other one, no other way for me to see. You took my place, you are the way, and there's the glory of your name. Yes, there's the glory of your name. The glory of your name. It seems that the ultimate understanding of seeing all of the Old Testament and all of the sacrifice and all of the blood that was shed in all of those animals to then begin to understand that it wasn't going to be some animal but God himself God-man, Jesus Christ. The final sacrifice. The sacrifice that needed no encore. That's what this cup represents. Don't look any farther. Don't look any place else. God has spoken. And He's spoken in His Son. The son that Mary anointed in preparation for this blood to be shed. Drink and be grateful it was for your sin. Stand and sing together, can we? Holy God in love be that your Son finished a work for all who would believe. For all who would look to Him. A work that doesn't need to be repeated, but is sufficient. And Lord, we go in that hope this morning. And we pray in the name of the One who made it possible. Our Savior, Jesus. And all the people said, Amen. You're